Hello, welcome to the Rooted Souls podcast. My name is Becca Spear, and I will be your hostess. Here I am offering you talks on spirituality and self-development that bring you back down to earth. Bridging the gap between ethereal ideas and mindful realism. These talks illuminate the magic in the mundane and facilitate discernment in the far out for a life rooted in wisdom. This podcast is for conscious seekers who are just opening up to spirituality and personal growth, or those of you who've been on that journey for a while, and you're realizing that things just are not what they seemed at first, or for those who are anywhere in between. I am so glad you're here. I invite you to either take a walk or sit down and relax with something nice and warm to drink, and just let this wash over you. Take what resonates, leave the rest, and just know that this is my gift to you. I hope that it serves you. I am so glad you're here, and I hope that you enjoy the show. I can barely contain myself with excitement for today's topic, the spiritual purpose of relationships. And I am so honored to have Catherine Daniele here with me today. She is a love coach and relationship coach and teacher helping women heal fear-based relationship patterns so that they can experience radical self-love and healthy, extraordinary romantic relationships. For over 10 years, she's devoted herself to the study of what makes relationships work and what keeps people from having the love they desire. She not only cares about helping women find love, but learn the skills and tools to make love last. She believes healthy relationships are what will heal the world. After overcoming her own painful journey through love addiction and codependency and seeing so many people in pain over love, her purpose is to teach women and couples how to transform, heal, and have new experiences in partnership. She works with women one-on-one, couples, and leads both online and in-person workshops, programs, and retreats. She is co-host of the popular relationship podcast, my absolute favorite podcast, (laughs) The New Truth, A Modern Woman's Guide to Extraordinary Love. Catherine uh, has been my coach um, and is a dear friend of mine. And we connected through a mutual friend and I had no idea how much my life was about to change when I met this woman. She said to me that she serves the temple of love and I could not describe it any better. She has the most integrity of any coach I've ever worked with and the power, wisdom, and skill far greater than any therapist I've ever worked with. Um, When I met Catherine, I was on my knees in pain uh, from a broken relationship after a trail of broken relationships. And even though I had a lot of wisdom of my own, I needed support to heal wounds that started in childhood that I just didn't have the resources to heal. And Catherine held me and led me back home to myself. Catherine, I am just so excited to sit here with you today and Mm -hmm. unpack this topic of spiritual purpose of relationships. I can't think of a better person to talk on this topic. Thank you. Thank you so much for your words. Wow. And I am so happy to be here too. So there's so many things that I want to dig into today, but since your bio and my history and what led me to you started with codependency and this um, strange phrase that most people don't know or understand love addiction, 
would you mind starting there and talking to us a little bit about what those two pieces are and and how they are so prevalent in our culture? Yes. So I have to start with saying that all of my expertise around this, I learned through Pia Melody. I'm trained in the model of Pia Melody. And I know that right now, good old Instagram, you know, there's lots of memes and teachings like codependency is now being talked about in mainstream culture. And it's not necessarily new because codependency first actually came out as an understanding about the relationships between partners of addicts. Um, that was the beginning of the research around codependency. But what Pia did is essentially say there are five symptoms of codependency. So it's not really I'm codependent or not. The nature of being human is we are dependent on being connected to other people. But when there is dysfunction in these five core areas, that's when things get wonky. And those five core areas are self-esteem, moderation, reality, dependency, and boundaries. So healing codependency is about healing in the er those five areas. And love addiction is assigning meaning and intensity to one particular person. So Pia would say all love addicts are codependent, but not all codependents are love addicts. You know you're a love addict if you are obsessive about one person. If when in relationship you assign a much higher value and meaning to that person's life than your own, love addicts are often plagued with a sense of inadequacy and lack of self-worth. Whereas codependents don't necessarily have to be addicted to relationship. I think a lot of people have that misconception. Like, oh, I'm not codependent because I'm fine being single. When actually you are codependent with friends, right? And mm -hmm. family, like it doesn't only look uh, rom in romantic relationship. Love addiction mostly shows up romantic relationship, in ro romantic relationship. I, I don't know if I know one person who hasn't either healed from codependency or isn't in active codependency. I would say every single client I've ever worked with is an active codependency. And you, I loved reading Pia's books. And the funny thing is I got a hold of one of her books in 2012 and it didn't hit me the way it hit me when, when you revisited it with me. And, um, and now I see it everywhere. Codependency is everywhere in American culture. And I can't speak to other countries, but it's definitely here. Women are conditioned to be codependent. So, you know, in my work, I always say the first part of work is doing your personal childhood work. And then if you're working with women and ignoring cultural conditioning around just being a woman, you're missing the boat. So the second piece of healing codependency is looking at how women are conditioned to source their value and worth from men, right? Conditioned to be good girls that people please, conditioned to not have strong opinions or advocate for their needs and wants or dream big, right? Codependency is essentially about believing that your life is in service to others and about other people rather than about you. And my sense is that the reason that this is so hard to see and heal without the proper tools is because it gets anchored in our nervous system and it started at such a young age that it's just something that we're so entangled with it. You can't really see through it. And we praise the selfless woman. Yeah. 
right? <laughs> you know, oh, she's she does everything <laughs> for everyone, or oh, I'm I'm she's such a good girlfriend because she takes care of me and she makes sure I have what I have what I need all the time. Yeah, yeah, that's why. And I do. one thing I love about your podcast is there's so much to talk about on this topic, so we can't possibly unpack it all in this episode. But what I did want to highlight today is the spiritual purpose of relationships. So you know, you and I've talked about a lot, and I know you talk about this on, on the podcast and you cover it in your reels is that you can do a bunch of personal development and still not hit this stuff or come even close to hitting this stuff. The emotional immaturity that is so steeped within because of these early childhood imprints. And then the imprints that come from relationships, you know, throughout the years. Um, can you speak a little bit about that? Well, the thing Yes, Pia Melody's work healed me, but the thing that provided the relief more than anything else from codependency and love addiction was having a relationship with a higher power. And so what is often happening, especially with love addicts, is they make a partner God. And that's what's happening. We, we live in a culture, I mean, at least I'll say America, not because other cultures are not like this. You know, there's, there's no universal relationship to wisdom, to spirituality, to community, right? We're very isolated, independent, separation of church and state in our country. And so what do people make God? People make money God. People make their looks God. People make other people God. So most of what's happening in codependency and love addiction is a child looking for another person to give them all that they didn't receive in childhood, right? If I can get this person to unconditionally love me, then I'll be healed. If I get this person to provide unconditional positive regard for me, then I'll be healed, right? We're trying to reenact the, the traumatic childhood that set this up in the first place, so first of all, no one's born being codependent or a love addicts, right? You are set up for these behaviors. So that's the first compassion. It's not your fault. And the spiritual purpose of relationship for me is, be, is recognizing that no human being can hold what God and the universe does, but it's my job to be the love that I am and have that experience of heaven on earth, of actually experiencing love rather than drama and trauma and resentment and anger and upset and all of our childish behaviors mm. what's coming to mind is this phrase you can't love somebody else unless you truly love yourself or you got to work on yourself first before you're ready for a relationship and I think that you know we've talked about these topics before and also um, that the journey of self-love doesn't stop once you get in a relationship. It's not like you're supposed to prepare yourself for it. And then it's over once you merge with another, which becomes a goal from all the Hollywood movies and fairy tales that we've been fed around that that's the adult goal, right? Once you get that, then you've achieved something. Um, so I, I, I'd love to touch on the whole self-love piece. And then, you know, what does that journey look like from single to partnered? And then, you know, not all partnerships, Day, right. So what is this journey of relationship to self and to higher power look like? And how does that impact the relationship? And how does the relationship impact the individual when they are anchored in themselves? 
Okay. That's like four questions. It is four. <laughs> you know me. <laughs> All right, I'm going to try to track everything you just said with pregnancy brain. And I'll but bring the, it back. So the, the back. first thing I want to address, because this, like at the start of my healing journey, hearing someone say, you have to love yourself, but you can love before you can love someone else or the just saying to women, like, all you have to do is love yourself more and then you'll have a relationship is so condescending and disgusting. Um, and essentially teaches that babies should love themselves before they're loved by their <laughs> caregivers. So what, what spirituality did and what community did for me in my understanding of self-love. So here's what self-love is. Self-love is being able to hold myself in warm regard, no matter what is happening. Doesn't mean I always take bubble baths. Doesn't mean I always feel good about myself. Doesn't mean that I have perfect self-care. It means that when I make a mistake, I have compassion for myself. It means I'm not hard on myself. It means I'm not looking for someone else to assign value and worth and meaning to my life. It means that I operate from a place that I matter and that I belong and that I have value because I exist. So that first core issue that Pia teaches of self-esteem, right? Self-esteem is self-love. The ability to say I am neither better than nor less than anyone else. And most of the time what codependents are doing and what love addicts are doing is saying, my partner is better than me, right? I'm full of shame. I don't have value, but when I'm in this relationship and when I'm taking care of you, or when I have a relationship at all, because I did not take care of my ex, <laughs> I, it was, it was just mostly about trying to feel good about being with him, like fully sourced my self-esteem from just, Ooh, he's my partner. He chose me. Now I have value rather than self-love, which says I have value no matter what. I value whether I'm producing anything in the world or not. I value whether I have a relationship or not. I have value and worth whether anyone else sees me as having value or not. That's what self-love is. And I learned to love myself by letting other people love me. And that's what community does. And that's what spirituality does. And again, I rolled my eyes about God. You know, I, I'm 13 years sober from alcohol. So that was the beginning of my personal development journey. And when God was first introduced, I was raised Catholic. I was raised by a mother who would beat me after church. We'd come home from church and then would be screaming at me, right? And, and calling me names. Um, and I, she, you know, very rigid around, you know, the Catholic religion, but of course treated me like shit. So in my, as a child, I was like, yeah, there's no God. Like, this is a joke. You know, she's talking about God, but she's not living actually in accordance with any of the values of God. And so when AA came along and I'm being introduced to God, I was like, yeah, give me a break here, people. You know, I don't want any part of this. But what was started for me was just being able to say, okay, if I could believe in a higher power, what would the qualities of that higher power have? If I believed in a benevolent universe, what are the qualities that I would believe in? And self-love for me happened when I was able to say, like, I matter, right? Like I, I was put here on earth for a reason. And the love that God and spirit and universe, whatever word you want to use has for me is bigger than my parents. And most of all, doesn't control my parents, right? So they're like, my parents are just not living in alignment with their essence and essentially the God within 
which essentially was what I believe the spiritual purpose of relationship is that I get closer and closer to my essential self when I'm in a relationship that's healthy. I become more and more of who I am when I'm in a relationship that's healthy. I become more and more connected to all that is wonderful and good about me when I'm in a relationship that's healthy. And so I had a very messy journey. It's certainly listening to me can sound like it is not like a one, two, three steps, you know, process. It's a journey, but it, you don't have to love yourself before you can love someone else. You have to value yourself enough to walk away from what isn't good for you. You have to value yourself enough to stand up for yourself. You have to value yourself enough to know that it's you are not here to fix or save or change or control or rescue other people. And you have to value yourself enough to say, I have value regardless of my relationship status. So that's first. I know. <laughs> What's the I'm next sorry. question? I totally, I totally did unload four questions on you, but I want to just reflect on what you just shared, which is that you don't, that, that being born, is it creates worthiness to be yes. loved. And I think yes. um, what was so powerful of being coached, powerful about being coached by you um, was that you just showed me unconditional love out the gate. And I was in so much pain. I felt shame around it. How could a coach, somebody who's been in personal development for 15 years, be so what felt like broken? And you just kept showing up with love. You're not too much. This is not too much pain for me to handle. And it's not too much pain for you to handle. And I think that, that you know, there's some sort of quote around, um, you know, that just loving somebody gives them the space to heal something like that. I don't know what it was, something about watch. I don't know. Anyway, um, that there, that there was the power first there of this is human. This is, this makes sense was something you said to me a lot and then help trying to um, assist me to see why I was acting the way I was, even though I, you know, thought it didn't make sense. Um, how, how my nervous system was, was responding to information around me that was, you know, the body was being wise in the way it was responding. And then what happened in my upbringing and throughout my, you know, adolescence that led me here. So there was an education piece, there was a nervous system regulation piece, and then there was unconditional love and regard and so as you modeled that for me, I was able to offer that to me. And so I love that you were talking about this, um, you know, holding yourself in high regard. I don't know if that's a language you use today, warm, but thank warm you, regard. warm regard. Um, and then so doing that through dating, in relationship, and then in a healthy relationship, you, you actually heal through repetitive kind experiences. And then if the relationship were to end, then you're at a different level of self. And it is this relationship to, to your higher self, to you, to God, that is the common thread that allows you to have those experiences. So I love how you tied that together. And if the relationship ends, you still have your sense of self. Yeah. Right. Like part of the, of codependency and love addiction is my sense of identity is sourced outside of myself. It, you can, if, you know, if you're not a love addict, it can be sourced by being a mother and, and taking care of kids. It can be sourced by being a leader in your community and, and taking care of other people. It can be sourced by how much money you make or whatever your career is, right? We have, if you are externally sourcing, feeling good and um, important and like you matter for yourself, that's what the problem is. 
And that's why breakups can be so brutal for so many people is because they think I've lost my source of identity and my source of love. Whereas when you have a spiritual life and you're nurturing that, I actually, when I first started coaching, my little phrase was you can add to my love, but you can't take it away. Mm, And because it's, it was that, like, I wasn't searching for love anymore. And even as a relationship coach, I'm not teaching people how to find love. I'm teaching people how to find a partner. Because if you're looking for love, there's an idea that you don't have love, mm-hmm. right? And that love is only exists with, by having another person, which is just not true at all. So I don't remember what the other questions were. I was just inspired and in picking your brain. But I think, you know, because this is a spiritual podcast, I'm sure there are those out there who have either identified or heard the phrase twin flame. And I think this goes hand in hand with sourcing outside of yourself. And I have an episode on the dark side of divination because as you know, previous professional psychic and tarot card reader, um, I witnessed people reaching outside themselves to me for the answers. And very quickly um, during that phase of my career, I shifted it from refusing to give predictions, but then to actually rehabbing several clients from psychic addiction to um, healthy inquiry and trust in self. So, you know, there's a podcast topic about that, but I just want to tie those two together because oftentimes people find out about twin flame, um, the new age twin flame phrase through psychic um, channels and through tarot card um, communities. So I see a big connection there, but I know you've got something to say about this topic. So let's hear it. (laughs) I did. I will answer that. And I did remember the other question was about sustaining self-love in a relationship and what that looks like. So we'll come back to that. Okay. So first I will never forget this. Um, There was a woman in my life who used to work on a psychic hotline and we were just talking one day and she, and I was starting becoming a relationship coach and she just looked at me and she's like, Catherine, 95% of the questions that people called in about were always about relationships and love. Is this person right for me? Will this person come back? You know, is this person aligned, blah, blah, blah. And it's, it's such a funny thing to me about how we are such a relationship obsessed culture, but then we have little to no education around relationship. And then we have all this judgment about relationship. I mean, so much judgment about relationship. We judge age gap relationships. We judge how fast people move in relationships. Like we're just so quick to have all kinds of stories about relationship. And that's because with what, why the twin flame thing is so intoxicating is because we are meaning machines, right? Our brains want to have an answer. We want to make sense of something right? We want to grasp something rather than what what I believe, like essentially the Buddhist way of living is a state of impermanence, right? A state of uncertainty, like life is ever changing and evolving. And most of us can't tolerate that. (laughs) Um, So we need something to understand. So I, you know, I guess it's not that I don't believe in twin flame. Like I, I, I do believe in soulmates. I certainly believe you have more than one, but my problem with twin flames is it's often used as justification to stay in a very dysfunctional dynamic. And 
thanks to new age spirituality that's becoming more mainstream, lots of women and myself included, which is why I can say this about my ex, my relationship with my ex, we got back together 17 times, broke up and got back together over and over again for three years. Because one of the things I told myself is there's a spiritual lesson for me to learn here. Mm -hmm. And I believe now that you do not have to learn through pain and that that's what transforms a codependent mindset. Codependents don't believe they deserve to be happy. They're really identified with suffering because that was the childhood experience Mm -hmm. and that essentially repetitive compulsion, which is reenacting childhood wounds over and over and over and over again. Your twin flame is not someone who's married to someone else, (laughs) you know, like, and it's, it's a nice idea because I, I do believe, so I'll be bold enough to say, I do believe, and because this was my prayer, I prayed for the person God planned for me. You know, like that, that was my attitude. I help women find their person, you know, like I, I help women choose someone who it does become a lasting relationship and, and, and relationship endings don't mean failure. Doesn't mean you chose wrong. But for 10 years, all of my clients who have met their person, they're still with their person. Like, like that's what happens. Um, But it's the pain of, yes, looking for answers outside of self. And also just this idea of like suffering and struggle in relationship, because at least some of the twin flame teachings I've seen is it's all about like, it's like, you know, you're suffering and struggling and you're triggering each other all the time. And like, it's for all a reason, you know, like they're your twin flame rather than, you know, what the fuck am I allowed to swear in your podcast? I yes. swear in mine all the time. Okay. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what, what the fuck are we teaching people, you know, about love if it's about struggle and suffering and, and it's not, you know, believing in joyful relationship. It doesn't mean it's easy every second of every day, but I'll, you know, one of my spiritual teachers at the, at one at the beginning of my journey, it blew my mind because I didn't believe this at the time was majority of the time in the right relationship, the experience you have is joy. Hmm. Right. And I, of course I have to experience joy in my body, in myself first, before I can have that experience. Cause then I'm otherwise I'm dependent on someone to make me happy, but you know, in the best of the twin flame idea, it's, there's alignment. Like that's how it feels. Like some, someone who is aligned and meeting me and who I become more of myself as a result of loving them and being loved by them. That's so beautiful. Yeah. My current partner asked why I wasn't with my ex. And I said, I was a worse version of myself with him. I loved him and he loved me, but I was a worse version of myself. And with you, I'm a better version of myself. And there is a constant sense of peace. Yes. Um, and it doesn't feel the same way the other relationships felt. It feels very different. And I think one of the things that our culture gets wrong is what makes a partner a good fit. Um, I think we're also focused on the high and the butterflies yes. and the attraction. Yes. And um, with the twin flame dynamic, it's overdrive, right? It's like complete magnetism and obsession. And then there's those saying, oh, well, you just have to get to a place of centeredness within yourself and then you'll be in union. 
except being in relationship with this person is tearing you apart or being separated and lusting after them is actually compounding trauma and creating more damage. So the idea that at some point you're both going to be some holy union together when you're both leading very destructive paths makes no sense. No. And yes, like, like that's the culture in romance is about intensity, right? And that's what love addiction is. <laughs> love, what separates, right? Like, so remember all love addicts are codependents. Not all codependents are love addicts. What brings someone into love addiction is the chase of intensity, right? That excitement and intensity, which then will crash. And then I need the stimulation again, all over and in that cycle, of my, my ex and I breaking up and getting back together. Um, it doesn't always look like obsession with one person. It can certainly look like obsession with relationship, um, can be love addiction, but it's, and then, right. Then what I'm seeing on TV and, and what I'm reading then about twin flames is, Oh, this person's my twin flame because I can't let go rather than you can't let go because you're codependent and you have childhood wounds that can be healed. And you don't have to live like this. Just like, no, you don't have to live like this, that love is suffering and struggle and always being triggered. No, no, that's not love. And we just have a culture that tolerates way too much of that. Like we, we just let it be okay that so many people are suffering and struggling in relationships. Women don't know that they deserve more. I am very passionate about ending domestic and sexual violence. That was my college life. I have a master's in public health and sexual and reproductive health. I was really passionate about just educating women around the world about being empowered, right? And, and keeping themselves safe and having a voice and demanding more in relationship rather than so many people in survival mode are saying, I'll just take what I can get. And then I have to make this work. That's one sign that you're in your inner child. You have an attitude of, I have to make this work rather than in healthy relationship. We work at creating something together. There's very different energetics between making something work and working at creating something amazing. I love that distinction. And I don't know if you said it today, but that love addiction isn't an addiction to love. It's an addiction to pain. Yes. I didn't say it today, but I do say that. Yes. Um, and, uh, it's poorly named very much. Yeah, so. <laughs> right. And I think part of why people don't know that they're experiencing it, um, it's just not very talked about. And I think it's probably so rampant that <laughs> it's just assumed that it's just normal, um, which is the same thing with codependency. Um, so I love everything you're saying. And I think it does tie into the, um, you know, sustaining self-love once in the relationship, because I think that so many people, first of all, commit really quickly, right. And don't even know the person and then end up marrying the person and then, um, see divorce as a failure or breaking up as a failure. Yes. So the sustaining of self-love and spiritual connection before, during, and potentially after, I think this is a good place to tie in. What do you think? There please know that a relationship ending is not a failure. Divorce ending is not a failure any more than like being together for a certain amount of time is success. You know, I, I stay away from any of that dichotomy of good, bad, right, wrong, failure, success. You know, life is a wild adventure and nobody gets married expecting to get a divorce, but people change. 
<laughs> you know, like, like things change. We go through things that sometimes breaks up a marriage, you know, and yes, people do certainly get married without knowing who the person is or having a naive attitude, um, about all we need to do is love each other. We just love each other. And that's why we should get married. You know, um, Dr. Shafali, I don't know how to pronounce her last name, um, but she's the author of Conscious Parenting and has now gone on to write a lot of books um, for women's empowerment. And one of the things she says is like, literally don't marry someone for love. Don't marry someone because you love them because that's not a big enough reason, you know? And this, you know, sustaining self-love in a relationship is first reckon we have an adolescent view about relationships too which is really painful like we do the all we need to do is love each other love solves everything um you know our connection is so deep so we're going to be okay rather than life doesn't stop being life just because you have a relationship and then guess what you're now in a relationship with another freaking person who has their own fears and doubts and insecurities and needs and wants and, and background and trauma, you know, part, part of what makes relationships hard is holding space for all of that, right? Seeing your partner is actually separate from you. Just like seeing your kid is separate from you. Your kid is not an extension of you. Your partner is not an extension of you. And a lot of women do that. They care very much about what other people think right? And they try to control their partner because they're obsessed with the image that their partner gives off about them rather than seeing their partner as separate. So when you are loving yourself in relationship, you're not resting on, well, now we're married or now we're committed. So I can just chill, which is adolescent, right? Unconditional love doesn't exist in adult relationship because that's why you need boundaries and limits, right? It isn't, you can treat me however you want and I'm still going to love you. No, right? We actually have to show up for love. We have to show up for the relationship over and over and over again. And when you love yourself, you stay committed to your practices that help you feel good about yourself when you're in a relationship. Codependents often lose themselves in a relationship again because it's assigning that meaning and value to the other person more than self. In a healthy relationship, each person nurtures themselves first. They each are devoted to their own practices, their own purpose, their own spirituality, so they don't make the other person God. And then they bring all of who they are to their partner. And when you love yourself and you know that you matter, you're willing to bring up difficult things in relationship. You're willing to ask for what you need in relationship. You're willing to share when something bothers you or you're upset about something or disappointed about something because you know your feelings matter, right? I matter means my feelings matter, my needs matter. Also, what's adolescent in a relationship is not the place you go to get all your needs met. All of your needs will not be met by one person in a relationship. But from that child and adolescent place and the codependent place, there's, there's two types of codependents. There's really the too needy codependent in which they are asking their partner to meet all of their needs. And then I call the anti-dependent, which the woman will tell herself she's Miss Independent but believe it or not, you're actually being codependent by not letting people be there for you. And you just doing everything for everyone else all the time and acting like you don't have any needs. That's a symptom of codependency as well. Even though you can tell yourself it doesn't look like it because I'm not needy, but denying that you have any needs at all is also codependent.
My goodness, this such good stuff. So uh, ritual and self-care and routine is so important at the core of self-care. Can you give us any kind of tips and techniques that people can start doing at home that might begin to cultivate or enhance their self-care? I mean, there's so many things and some of them are so freaking cheesy <laughs> um, and some and some are really powerful. I mean, I guess the, the first practice is to ask yourself what you need. And that can be a huge, very hard question if you've never asked yourself that before. But we all need pleasure, joy, movement, food, water, connect, you know, spiritual connection. We need to be connected to other people. And so the first place of a practice is when you wake, I mean, when you wake up in the morning, do not look at your freaking phone. Like, I can't say that enough. Don't wake up and, and take in other people's world before you've even taken in your own. Simply sitting up in bed and bringing your hands to your heart and taking a couple deep breaths right? Acknowledging yourself in some way, like I am here, I exist, like I matter. Good morning, Catherine. I mean, I say that, I mean, my, my life right now is Andrew and I, Andrew's name, my husband, we usually greet the dog first because <laughs> she's at the foot of the bed. We, we both like crawl down to the foot of the bed and snuggle her. Aww. We say, good morning, Leela. And then we look at each other and say, good morning to each other. And then it, and I'll bring my hand to my heart and say, good morning, Catherine right? Like acknowledging self is self-love. Like I am a person with needs and I matter. And, and you can do, you know, a, a workout and, but lots of people can work out and not be connected to what they're doing. So journaling is an insanely powerful practice as a way of getting connected to yourself. Affirmations, insanely powerful practice. Even if you don't believe them when you're saying them, especially if you are riddled with self-doubt and, and negative self-talk, or you had parents who are very, very critical, that's what you're fighting in yourself. when you start to say affirmations, right? The stories that, that other people have held about you. But for me, everything changed when I just learned how to move really, really slow, right? Where it was like, what, what, how do I want to greet myself in the morning? And everyone, I don't know how to say this enough, but it's unbelievably powerful practice meditation is so freaking powerful because what's happening in meditation is you are disciplining your mind to connect. Like this is spirituality. When you are present, you're connecting with the soul of who you are, right? You are not your thoughts. You are not your mind. You are not your body. You are a soul. And when you meditate with practice, with discipline, you keep showing up for it over and over again, you start to create that wellspring of self and connecting with the love that you are. My meditation practice started with guided meditations. So that's totally fine. There's plenty. There's also many apps right now of meditations and on Spotify and YouTube is meditations. And now I meditate just to music um, without someone else's voice. Sometimes I'm meditating in silence, but the intention when meditating, I always meditate with my hands on my heart. I learned a heart-centered meditation and that's my meditation practice of connecting with a radiant ball of energy at the center of my chest. And when I breathe for my 20 minutes every day, that's what I'm imagining. Imagining that light growing. I'm imagining breathing in and through that light, which is sourcing from within. So I don't spend my day looking outside of myself to make me feel good or make me feel loved. 
because my husband's in bad mood sometimes, right? My husband doesn't, doesn't always feel in tune with what's going on for me. And that's what self-love does too. I don't have to like make proclamations about my relationship when that's happening. I can ride the ebbs and flows of connection and disconnection and closeness and distance, which is normal in relationship without falling apart. I remembered something I was going to say after your last share and I was like, oh, it's gone. But I think we just found a common thread. So when I'm kind of processing everything we're saying, bringing it back to the twin flame thing that relationships, healthy relationships are rooted in the present. And the last time you shared before I spoke, Mm -hmm. um, you were talking about uh, that a codependent might not feel like his or her needs are valid. Um, And with the twin flame, um, the communication when you're in separation is like psychic communication, but in a healthy relationship, communication is required and received and encouraged and um, held with love. And um, so grounding yourself in the truth that you deserve to speak that that communication is um integral and central to a healthy relationship and so a twin flame relationship will keep you in the past and future and out of body if you're in separation and then a healthy relationship will keep you grounded in the present requires you to to keep tracking your own needs and then voicing them to the other. And then in a mutual relationship, you receive that back from the other person. So there's a a fierce and courageous, a courageous um, record of, of expression and reception. Yeah. So they're so different. Cause again, that childish, it's appropriate for your parents to intuit and attune to your needs before you can communicate them that's under the age of two right and then eventually the skill that is hopefully being taught is how to ask for what you need and as you do have a parent respond so we have a, like again imagining we, we just romanticize parent child relationship in our romantic relationship that's what's actually happening like i want them to just know how to read my mind i want them to be attuned to me 100% of the time i don't i mean i have a lot of so i can speak to this for a second because i've had a lot of clients do this over the past 10 years they get really reactive and shitty about having to ask for what they need and do the like this isn't fair Right. And so that's an angry teenager, right. Who has a right to be angry because they didn't ever have their needs met as a child, but then being an adult, you have to grow out of that. Like you have to grieve that you weren't met in childhood and your needs weren't met and you weren't taught how to advocate, but you have to learn how to advocate now because that's what it means to be an adult is very unrealistic to expect anyone to read your mind. And I know we romanticize, you know, there, there are moments of sweetness in my relationship where I'll like forget to put something on the grocery list and then Andrew will come home with it because he knew, right? Or I'll be thinking something. I mean, how many times this happened to all of us, right? We're thinking of a friend and then they call, right? Mm-hmm. Like all the th- time. That, that isn't some special magical thing that is, mm-hmm. you know, means you're in a twin flame relationship. Like that's what it means to be in sync with the universe, right? And in flow and just being open yes. as a person. Yes. Usually what's happening with the twin flame is there's a dependency around it or a lot of meaning assignment 
about those behaviors. And this is what's happening with dating. If you have a really great date, you've now decided that you've met someone amazing rather than that was a great date. I don't know if this person is amazing yet, right? Or the other side is if we don't hit it off right away and there aren't sparks flying, we tell ourselves like, oh, this isn't a good person, so I shouldn't go out with them rather than that's appropriate, right? Okay, if this, there weren't sparks flying, but I just had a really nice time and a really good conversation and I liked how this person talked about their life. So I'm gonna see what happens on the next date, right? We just chase, like, we're, we're, like I, you brought it up several times already about being grounded, you know, if you're not in your body, that's how easy it is to get swept by your feelings, swept by new age teachings about relationship or swept by your attachments to people or for certain things to look a certain way. And this, this idea of morning routine and commitment to self daily requires you to tune into self, which then leads you to observation where you can actually track and know your needs. So part of that being accountable is recognizing what you need. And when we're stuck in adolescence or childhood, we're expecting somebody else to know, and we don't actually develop that. So I, I see this, a common thread in my own clients where they don't know what they need. Um, and even just yesterday I was realizing I was feeling very different and I, you know, reflected on, I didn't sleep very well last night. Maybe sweetie, maybe you're tired. And I, you know, made myself a little food and took a break. So being able to track your needs, meet your own needs, and then show up in relationship with others from a place of adult development from emotional maturity, fullness. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't mean you always have to be feeling great, but with that, that awareness of truth, awareness of self, and then the skills and conviction to communicate to others um, in a calm and directive and respectful way, um, which is an art that, you know, isn't very uh, common in our culture either. A lot of blaming, shaming, expectation, lashing out emotional over just, you know, practical. Yeah. Reactive. Yeah. Sensing our needs. I mean, this is a big deal for codependence because again, one of the symptoms of codependency is taking care of other people's needs. And I mean, codependency is essentially self-neglect, really. That's one way of looking at it. And so one of the ways to start with taking care of your needs, I love your, your sweet, like, oh, I just was tired yesterday, you know, because now with personal development, we're like, what's coming up for me about my childhood because I'm in a bad mood, you know, rather than just like, wait, did I eat today? (laughs) Like, did I get a good night's sleep? Am I, have I had any water? How much time have I just been sitting in front of the computer? Right. A lot of self-care is about connecting with nature. It's about stepping away from distraction. It's tending to self. Like that's what it means to take care of your needs. Am I tending to myself? Many people are wake up in the morning. It's boom, like hit the ground running, go, 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 taking care of other people, taking care of work, and then passing out at the end of the day, never having checked in with self. And so you can really start with just how am I eating? Am I moving my body? Am I getting enough sunlight? Am I spending any time outside? Am I connecting with people? And in deep, meaningful ways, not you just being in the same room with everyone that you're taking care of, but actually being seen and known is what transforms our nervous system and transforms that pattern of codependency because you get to experience I matter through the eyes of someone else 
who values you for you, not what you do for them. And also in a healthy relationship, that's what's happening. You are loved for who you are rather than a transactional relationship, which is I do for you and you do for me. And we're keeping tabs and keeping score and I can't live without you. And, you know, on and on we go. The common thread I'm tracking here is continuing to anchor into the present because the, what do I need right now? Not, you know, what are my childhood wounds, but what do I need right mm-hmm. now? And the same goes for relationship. Not, am I blaming my partner for my ex or for my unmet needs in childhood, but what does the relationship need right now? What's required for us right now? And so not being on autopilot in our own lives and not being autopilot in our relationship, but our relationship to self and other is a living, breathing entity and requires daily care yes. and, and attention. Yes. I love that you just brought that up about what does the relationship need? Because we have an addiction to the early phase of relationship. Like most partnerships are saying, how do we get back to that honeymoon, you know, place rather than what season are we in? Right. Maybe what, what a relationship might need is actually freaking breathing room and some space. Right. And maybe we need a vacation. Maybe we need to develop some rituals together, right? In, in a healthy relationship, you are asking that because you're paying attention to the ev- evolution and the growth of the partnership rather than trying to keep it the same. And that's, that spirituality, like again, that Buddhist impermanence, everything changes. That, that's a fact. Everything changes. People will change in relationship. People will change because they want to, not because you get them to, by the way. (laughs) No one changes being told what to do or demanded to go to therapy or being screamed at or because you abandon yourself to focus on getting them to heal their life. People change because it's the nature of life. And that's how you grow in love. It's who do I love now? Who's this person now? How are we functioning together now? And when I think about, you know, the stale relationships that I don't want and the, I I don't think about them changing. I think about they're in the same ruts and routines and patterns. And I love the idea of two people growing together because how can you get bored if you're both evolving? And so I think before we close, I want to know if there are any rituals in relationship to instill. I love that you guys say good morning to your dog and then to each other and then to self. Um, are there any other kind of cute little rituals people could infuse into their relationship to keep anchored in the present and growth? Greeting each other. Like I, I can't stress enough that that is everything. First of all, saying good morning, kissing each other when you wake up, saying good night, kissing good night. If someone leaves the house for work, right. When they come home, you get up and you greet each other, right? That in and of itself is sending the message to your partner that they matter to you, right? And they have value. 20 sec- hugging for 20 seconds actually releases oxytocin um, and dopamine in the brain. It relaxes the nervous system. So that's something Andrew and I practice. Um, we literally count out loud <laughs> laughing when, when we're doing it. Um any kind of check-in throughout the day. So right now, both of us work from home. So we do eat lunch together, but there's rituals of, even if you're not, you know, in the same home as your partner, sending text messages that say, I'm, I'm letting you know, I'm thinking about you, or here's this sweet moment of my day that I want to share with you. Asking 
questions about someone's day, like with genuine curiosity. Connection doesn't have to be this, like we're, you know, reading 500 books together or watching a documentary. It's the sweetness of letting someone know that they matter to you. That is how a relationship gets, grows and, and sustains deeply in love is you're constantly sending that message. I often tell my clients that all human beings have a big sign on their forehead that says, do I matter to you? Right. When you're in a relationship and every single day you're either answering yes to that person or not. Right. And what happens in healthy relationships is I never give up answering yes to that question for my partner. I don't take my partner for granted. I don't settle like the relationships that are in ruts and stuck. Like you just said, you know, it's just usually, well, there's a lot of reasons that relationships get stuck. Um, one of them is resentment, right. And the inability to actually talk about what bothers you and, and what's upsetting you and what you need and you just fester. And then the other is I won't offer you love until you offer it to me. Right, this like bullshit game um, that our ego plays. And so I don't wait for Andrew to answer the, an the question yes to me. I devote myself to, to acting like I matter first, loving on myself. And then I'm devoted to loving him. But that's actually spiritual partnership in abundance. I'm not attached to, I'll only love you if you love me. I'll only be kind to you if you're kind to me. I hear that from my couples all the time, right? Well, he stopped doing X, Y, Z. So I stopped doing X, Y, Z, right? And then they wonder why they're disconnected and stuck, right? So somebody has to go first. If you are stuck right now, take a look at how many resentments you actually have and journal them all out. Also, please hire a relationship coach. And two, ask yourself, what am I not giving? You know, the, the Course in Miracles is the spiritual text that I study. And one of the statements is the only thing missing in any situation is that which you are not giving. The only thing missing in any situation is that which you are not giving. And this is very different than codependent giving. Codependents give in order to get. When you are full in yourself, you're giving in order to give, right? To share the love that you are. So that's the magic of sustaining a great relationship. Mm. And what I gather from our conversation today, and I'd love you to add if you, you have more, is that the spiritual purpose of relationship is to stay open-hearted, to keep our hearts open to ourselves and to others and to stay present. Yep. To experience heaven on earth, to become more of who we are through being with this person. And then most of all, and I said this at the start of my work, that when you're with the right person, you become a more loving person in general. So the spiritual purpose of romantic relationship is also to love other people as well as I love my partner, right? That I become a loving person in the world. That's why I believe healthy relationships will heal the world, right? We all know, I mean, what do we see? We see the people skipping down the street, right? When they're falling in love, like our whole attitude changes, right? When we're loved. But then it we forget we have to offer that to everyone. Like that that's the whole point, not special love where I just secretly hide in my house and, and love of my partner and hope they never leave me, right? Through loving them freely and generously, that's how I love other people and how I love myself. And that is how we will experience heaven on earth. Well, that feels complete to me. <laughs> Thank you so much. Do you have anything else to say? I loved talking to you. Thank you so much. I always love talking to you and thank you for showing up in my world. And thank you for showing up for my listeners and continuing to do this powerful work. You are changing the world. 
And if people would like to get a hold of Instagram, she has the best reels on there. <laughs> um, and I will link her Instagram account in the comments in, in the comments in the description. And it's just Love Coach Catherine if you want to do a, a quick search for her. And she has so much educational content, humorous content. And she's always got new programs running um, and you can get in touch with her if you want to know how to best uh, resource from what she has to offer. Thank you so much for Thank you. So fun. You know me, I could freaking talk about this forever. So I know I, and I could, I could chat with you forever. So we'll leave this for at least episode Mm. one and thank you you so much. And um, talk to you you soon. Okay, thank you for listening and becoming part of this community. If you love this episode, I invite you to subscribe, share with someone you think would appreciate it, or leave a review. This helps me to learn what resonates with you so I can deliver more of what you want and reach more people who can benefit from this content. If you wanna reach me, please feel free to reach out on my website, www.beccaspirit.com. I would love to hear from you get any feedback, and know what's on your mind. Until next time, take great care.